time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt here with Charles Weldy, founder and certified financial planner at CP Weldy Group. Find us online at cpweldygroup.com for past episodes and more information about Chad and the team. If you're anywhere in the Delaware, Chester County areas, uh, Charles is nearby. In fact, he's got an office there on Route 52 in Chad's Fort, PA. Come by and say hello sometime. Charles, great to be with you this week. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Walter. How about yourself? Yeah, doing great. Looking forward to our conversation together. I hear you got to uh, reprise your role as as shark, but now as as granddad shark in the pool recently. Yeah, I got uh, two identical twin granddaughters. They're three years old, and this past weekend, you know, I was playing shark in their new pool, and believe me, it was like a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> now you probably played shark. I'm guessing many, many years ago with your own kids, and now now you're getting to do it with the grandkids. Any different? Uh, you know, twenty, thirty years later. Eh, you know what? I guess I'm a little bit like um, less. Uh, mean you know <laughs> i think I, I softened up over the years they can you're have whatever a, you're they a nicer want. shark now is that oh absolutely oh, for sure too funny, too funny. <laughs> well we've got a great show on the way today we're gonna be talking about uncommon sense and you might say huh what i thought we should be talking about common sense well we sort of are but here's the the rub at first glance, some of these statements, some of these ideas that we're going to share on today's show will seem pretty basic common sense that I think almost everybody would agree with, Charles. But when we actually look at people's behavior, uh, especially when it comes to their money, it seems like <laughs> this common sense is a bit more uncommon in reality. And so we want to find out why. Why don't we follow this common sense and what can we do about it? How should we change uh, to meet and, and be better? Uh, so here's a first example. Buy low and sell high. You're not going to find anybody that disagrees with that theory behind investing, but many people behave differently, don't they? Well, they do because we're, we're all wired the same way. We're human beings and uh, our emotions sometimes get the best of us. And, uh, you know, I don't know too many investors that are market focused uh, that are successful because their emotions and their reactions will more or less drive their behavior. You know, it's easier said than done, but people should get a plan driven, you know, uh, investment strategy where they're disciplined and they're patient. You know, I guess in the past, when you were an accumulator, we were always taught to dollar cost averaging. We're buying every month. I mean, people that are working for a living and putting money in their 401k, maybe they get paid twice a month. So two times a month, 24 times a year, they're actually buying at different prices. That's good. Low is good. High is bad. The only problem is once they retire, they're not putting any more money. They generally have a stagnant portfolio. And then just the opposite of dollar cost averaging is called rebalancing. People should at least rebalance, I believe, once a year. You're forced to sell that which went up and buy that which went down. And over the long haul, it's proven to be a good strategy. So, you know, buy low and sell high. I mean, even though everybody agrees with it, it takes some discipline and it takes a plan driven approach to accomplish that. It's uh, really important to remember that, and buy low, sell high rises to the top of our list of common sense that unfortunately is uncommonly followed. We want to reverse that trend, but it, it goes deeper than that as well. Charles, another example, we don't want anybody to pay more in taxes than they have to, and it seems like pretty solid advice. I don't think anybody's voluntarily signing up to pay extra taxes because they think the you know federal government's a beacon of efficiency. But many people do pay more in taxes than they have to. Why the disconnect? 
Well, I think the disconnect is that, you know, when I look at a person's tax return and I see dividends, interest, capital gains, and then I ask the client or prospect if they're spending that money. And, you know, I guess realistically, half the people aren't, half the people are. The ones that aren't spending that interest, dividends, and capital gains, I really have a problem with because they're paying taxes on money that they're not spending. And, you know, in my world, if they had interest, dividends, capital gains, I'm just going to pick a figure off a bus of $25,000. I know that by, quote, reshuffling the deck, maybe putting their assets in a different location, I could peel off $25,000 from their retirement account, pretty much pay the same tax, and then get that money into a tax-free investment for the remainder of their life. It could be, you know, make a huge impact over a period of time. So, you know, don't pay more in taxes than you have to. I mean, that's a good strategy, but by and large, most people just go to a tax preparer, get their taxes prepared, and they forget about everything until the very next year when they have to get it done again. My feeling is that if, you know, after April 15th and before 1231 of each year, if they just segmented some time to do some tax planning, they may be well better off in the future than just ignoring, you know, the tax planning aspect of it. It's a good point. And we're going to see this uh, in many different facets of the financial realm, not just with the markets, but here's an example of with it being in taxes, and it'll be pervasive where we find this common sense not being followed. It's pretty common sense that we would want to keep costs low, Charles. No secret that lower costs will let your money grow faster and save you money, but people still end up in instruments with very high fees. What happens there when we, we all want to don't don't want to overpay for something, but then we end up getting stuck in something that's charging us a whole bunch of money? Right. Well, you know, I, in my world, there's two types of fees. There's internal fees and external fees. So internal fees, let's look at them. Generally speaking, when people are in mutual funds, they have three choices. Choice number one might be indexing. And they're the lowest fees. I mean, Vanguard, Fidelity, companies of the, that stature, they pretty much have index funds, which are, you know, really, really cheap. Then you got evidence-based investing, which is kind of, you know, it's fairly inexpensive, but, you know, I think it's probably on the low side as opposed to the high side. That's where, hey, based on evidence, you should have your assets in these particular asset classes over time. And, you know, I I find like maybe, I don't know, I'd say 20, 25% of the people in evidence-based investing. And then we have active investing where, hey, you have like uh, some strategy that you're paying probably an additional fee for. And uh, maybe that promises that, hey, when markets are good, we're going to get a certain percentage of the gains. But when markets aren't so good, we're going to minimize or avoid, you know, uh, a lot of these losses. Um, I'm kind of like evidence-based. That's my bias. Uh, I do believe, you know, certain asset classes can be indexed. But what people fail to realize is it's not just the expense ratio of the particular investment that you're in, the internal fee. It's also the turnover cost. So if I'm in something that's getting sold, uh, you know, 50% of the time, for example, if I own a, a mutual fund with 100 shares and the turnover ratio is 50%, that means at the end of the year, Walter, even though I started with 100 stocks or 100 securities, at the end of the year, I only have 50 remaining of the original that I had because I sold 50%. And there's a cost to that trading cost. So, you know, again, fees are important and, you know, uh, not just the external fees. I mean, obviously, like across the board, many advisors charge in the area of 1%. And, you know, people can decide for themselves whether that's a good deal or not. But it's the internal fees that I find that people aren't aware of. And when you lift the hood and you kind of see that, hey, you know, external fee one, internal fee one and a half, 
I think then you get into some areas where, hey, maybe we're, little, we're overpaying a little bit. And we should have a different strategy. Yeah, it's a good point. Difference between cost and value. So that is worth keeping in mind. So maybe there are sometimes reasons why there's uh, that common sense isn't followed because maybe there's there's reason and value on the backside of it. So that one may be a bit more debatable than some of these other ones. Another one that's not as debatable, don't put all your eggs in one basket. We've all heard that about everything in life, Charles, especially finances. Most people understand that that means diversification is important. But when you look at plans, you find all the time, I imagine, that people haven't done a great job of diversifying their retirement plan, even if they think they have, right? That's true. I mean, people might have a lot of investments, but a lot of those investments may overlap. So for instance, they might have four or five uh, mutual funds, but maybe three of them are really concentrated in one area as opposed to being spread out amongst several areas. I'm of the belief that people should have growth and value in their portfolio. They should have large, small, and medium-sized companies in their portfolio. They should have domestic and international in their portfolio. They should have stocks and bonds in their portfolio. So really based upon someone's income need and their age and you know their goals, I mean, they should have a well-diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds and you know uh, other fixed income instruments really tailored to you know being well diversified so that if anything happens in any one sector or any one uh, asset class, they're going to be fairly protected because you know generally speaking, things aren't correlated 100 percent. And if a stock goes up, you know chances are maybe you know perhaps a fixed income instrument may remain the same or go down in value. Great points across the board, Charles. Let's go over one other example where we want to learn through uncommon sense, uh, that common sense that's not often followed. And it comes down to market timing and that it's virtually impossible. Uh, Everyone nods along, I think, as we say that. Yet in the background, their behaviors, they're asking questions and and starting to act and behave like, oh, I think think today's the day the market's going to crash. So what should I do? (laughs) So again, very different between action and uh, what's agreed upon. Yeah, you know, again, Walter, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I mean, you know, we're all wired the same way. We're emotional human beings. And, uh, you know, when you based your investment decisions on emotion and you're reacting to the good, the bad, the indifference of the market, as opposed to having a plan driven approach where you're disciplined, you know what your goals are, and you know over time that stocks will outperform fixed income. I mean, you're just better off having a date dollar specific plan than you are, you know, relying on your emotions or hunches or what have you. I mean, there's, I forget the name of the gentleman, but someone uh, said and it resonated with me that there's more money lost in the market by people anticipating the market's move than in the market itself. So I'm sure, Charles, it, it can be kind of frustrating for you sometimes when there's all this common sense out there and then you look at people's financial plans. And, and here on this episode, we've you know had four or five examples of where that common sense doesn't get followed. And it'd make your job a lot easier if everybody was following these things when they first came to meet with you. But I guess that's part of the fun of, of your job and your career, right, is you help point out these deficiencies and help get people back on the right track. Yeah, I, I just believe, Walter, that a good financial advisor, he or she will protect a client from their own emotions. That's really the key. I mean, we're all, again, built the same, wired the same. And when our emotions get the best of us, that's when we make these big mistakes. And, you know, uh, it's not like we have like the answers to get you the best investment on the planet, but we do have the uh, recommendations to have you not, you know, shoot yourself in the foot when things kind of look, you know, uh, in dire straits. 
Well, great examples across the board here, Charles. Thanks for that information today. And if you do have questions about planning your own financial future, trying to get ready for uh, retirement, trying to make sure that you're following common sense and good principles, all these things are important. Reach out to Charles, have a conversation about your plan. You can do that by calling 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Or go online to CP weldygroup.com that's cpweldygroup.com and we'll put the contact info in the show notes section of today's program so you can easily find it that's learning through uncommon sense with charles weldy i'm walter sorholt we'll talk to you next time right back here on re-engineering your finances Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.